It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gregor Robertson. We're with you twice a week throughout the season for all the best reaction and analysis from some of the best football writers in the business. Indeed. And joining us in the studio today, it is Alison Rudd from The Times. Coming up, we're going to look back on a famous night in Cardiff as Wales sealed their spot at Euro 2020. But with the Premier League returning this weekend, there is only one place to start. A wild week for Tottenham. What a 48 hours it has been for Spurs. Maurizio Pochettino sacked and Jose Mourinho installed on a three and a half year deal on a reported £15 million a year. That's over twice what they were paying Pochettino and twice what top of the table Jurgen Klopp is on at, at Liverpool. And it is a London derby to kick off the Mourinho era at Spurs as they travel to West Ham where Mourinho has won just one of his last four encounters. Now, at the time of recording, Mourinho was midway through his first press conference. So let's hear from him for the first time as the head coach of Tottenham. These 11 months were uh, uh, months to to think, to analyse, to rethink, to prepare, uh, to anticipate things. And um, I think so. I think uh, you never lose your, uh, your DNA, you never lose your identity. You are what you are for the good things, for the bad things. But I had time to think about many things. Uh, don't ask me. Don't ask me uh, what uh, are the mistakes. But I realized that during my career, I also made mistakes, and I'm not going to make the same mistakes. I'm going to make new mistakes, uh, not the same mistakes. So I had time. I think I'm. I'm stronger. Um, and when I say I'm stronger, I'm not saying I'm fitter. I was always fit. Um, but I think I'm stronger by the, the the emotional point of view. I'm I'm relaxed. I'm motivated. Uh, I'm ready, and I think uh, I think the players they f- they felt that in two days. I am I am humble. I am humble enough to to try to to analyze, which was what I did to try to analyze my career, not just the last year. But to analyze my career, the evolution, the problems, the solutions, I was humble enough uh, for that. Um, the principle of the analyze was not to blame anyone else. So that is Mourinho, the head coach at Tottenham. Interesting to hear him uh, refer to himself as humble. I guess we're going to have to now call him the humble one, Alison. I think a few papers will be splashing that <laughs> in the morning. He has to be something one, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I, 
not surprised he's gone down the path of humility, of accepting he's made mistakes, but only Jose Mourinho could accept he's made mistakes and then turn that into a positive and say he'll be making new mistakes, <laughs> i.e. he's unafraid to go for it, unafraid to be himself, unafraid to make mistakes because it's making that fearlessness is what makes you a great manager. So he's... he's it, you can hear you can hear in my side, can't you? Where do you where do you start with the man? I believe I believe he would not be Spurs head coach if they didn't have the glitzy new stadium for a start. I think that makes it much easier for him. First of all, it sort of kills dead that idea that Tottenham are a joke club who don't win very much and uh, a bit flaky psychologically. Because they've now got this glitzy new stadium. And if you've got a glitzy new stadium, you need a glitzy new manager. And I think he sees himself as starting a new era for the club. And because Pochettino, Pochettino's results were not good once the stadium opened, I think he feels he can sort of step in and do something different there. So I genuinely don't think he would have thought about going if he didn't have that backdrop, if you like. Um I, I think that's more important than people realise is it's the image of it and it's a good it's a good place to start there and it's 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 enough I think for him for him to be able to leapfrog over all the question marks which are that he's never been that good about identifying or nurturing young talent which is what Spurs has been all about for the past five and a half years that he falls out too easily with the people above him and in Daniel Levy is not somebody who panders to to coaches who who want to fight um, stylistically. He's not a Spursy manager either, but I think he I think he honestly can just sort of just brush that to one side because he sees himself in his lovely suit, standing there under the biggest lights and the biggest screen and the strangest wall of fans, and he can feel that he has a chance to to make his new mistakes if you like and he's he's turned that into a positive mm. it's 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 a triumph well he's spoken about the great potential at Tottenham uh, and interestingly he's also mentioned that in the time off since his departure from Manchester United he sort of used the 11 months to think and to prepare he says he says you never lose your DNA you are what you are for the good things and the bad things do you think there's plenty there that he has learnt that we'll now see maybe a new Jose Gregor. <laughs> I mean, I've I've so conflicted about this. I, th- I thought it was utter madness when I first heard this news. You what know, the appointment or the sacking? The appointment, both. Hmm. Yeah, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But I think I don't know. I'm coming round a little bit more and more now. And but all of everything, you know, I think there's the building blocks for a team that Jose Mourinho could mould into one of these kind of ruthlessly efficient counter counter attacking successful teams I think there's the basis for that already at Tottenham but everything rests upon whether he is as we say sort of learn from mistakes willing to change even just a little bit and you know at the first sign of things not going his way not turn into this surly like moody misery guts mm. uh, and whether whether he still has the same sort of ability to inspire confidence and commitment that he did from his players in the past, because I don't know if that was ever really true at Manchester United. There were signs of it, but 
when you start throwing them under the bus um it's never going to work these days certainly not with a modern player so everything everything rests on whether Josie Mourinho his personality his character whether he can just I don't know you know just even find a little glimmer of that but it's that, an that interesting young, that young Josie with a sparkle in his eye uh that we all used to love because He's completely. He seems like a completely different person in the last four or five years. But do you not think? It's, if you step back again, isn't it an interesting experiment? Because Pochettino was so avuncular with the young players, not not with the more established ones, but with the younger players, he was so protective. They could, you know, they could do anything, and he'd back them. And and in th- that sense, Mourinho is the is the complete opposite. His treatment of Luke Shaw, I think, was tantamount to bu- public bullying. He was very yep. nasty to that mm. to that young player. So you've got someone who's prepared to pick on, pick on young players and blame them for things that they can only be 1%, you know, guilty of really when it comes down to result, just one mistake perhaps in a match and really poor behaviour and and so different to the way Pochettino would would treat younger players that it's 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 like we've created this experiment. What will happen to those young players when they've got a manager who is tough on them and not? But I don't know if he not will avuncular. be. Well, he even has to even learn from even that. if he's not publicly, he's still him, isn't he? He doesn't. Yeah. He's not somebody who th- takes the long view and thinks if I put my arm around around the shoulders of this young player who seems a bit fragile at this moment, maybe in six months' time, he'll be a, you know, good for me. He he, he doesn't doesn't think like that. He wants no. he wants to know his. His, the way he's run his teams in the past is he's he's gone into them and he's asked, "Are you with me? Are we in this together?" He wants complete loyalty from day one. He wants to know you're on board. He doesn't want people who are, "Ooh, I'm not sure where you're going to play me, boss. I'm not sure." You know, he, he doesn't want any anything like that. He wants he wants people to think, "I'm I'm privileged to be working with you, Jose. Thank you very much, and I'll do exactly what you say." That he's not. He doesn't have that patience that I, I think Pochettino had but it might mean that players who've been coasting and not fulfilling their potential maybe they'll so this is exactly what they needed and who, who are you referring to who could I possibly be referring to well I'm thinking mainly <laughs> I'm thinking mainly predominantly of Deli Ali, who I think is on the cusp of fading into nothingness or maybe once again fulfilling his potential and becoming a great player I think that's harsh I think we've said I've said this before I think he's had you know he's had injury troubles um, the team has been on the slide for 12 months um, and he's become a bit of a scapegoat in that regard so I think look, there are lots of players There's lo- he's got lots of issues and I'm sure, again I'm sure we'll talk about this he's, for me primarily he's got to get the players Vertonghen and Alderweireld the two centre-halves who are out of contract and you know it, it, there was, this is where the, the change is fascinating it was it was their age that was essentially counting against them and you know under Pochettino, he wants to get, when they get to a certain age, move them on, hopefully for some decent money, and then sign someone younger and develop them. That's the absolute opposite to Josie Marino. Their age is now a kind of virtue. <laughs> Their experience, you'll see two really experienced and a half who were the probably the best defensive pair in, in the division until two years ago, 18 months ago even. Um, I'm sure his, one of his first tasks will be to, to get them playing for him. And again, Christian Eriksen, you know, I think he'll do all he can. He'll throw all the all the love he has in his direction to try and get him to commit and stay. Um, and Dele Ali, I mean, again, I think he'll he'll 
he'll throw his love towards him. I think I think that's that'll be a starting point. And if I don't think I wouldn't, I don't think you can put Dele Ali in the same category as someone like Luke Shaw. Dele Ali has got the kind of attributes he likes. He's got a nasty streak. He just needs to he needs to draw that back out of him. Well, Tom Roddy echoes what you're saying in the game daily. He says. Uh, from an extract from it, Ericsson is out of contract at the end of the season, as are Yang Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld. All three have something to prove and the abilities Mourinho needs to achieve. Retaining their services and getting them performing again will be high on his to-do list. And what of Deli Ali? He asks. Well, this feels like a pivotal moment for his Tottenham career. You've also, Gregor, written uh, about Harry Winks, if I'm right. Uh, you've analysed how Spurs could line up under Jose and it doesn't look good for the England midfielder. Is that right? Well, I mean, I don't want to go too far with that. I just think that the he's one player who you struggle more than many to find a place for and a regular sort of starting berth for in uh, Jose Mourinho's team. I think someone like Eric Dier, Eric Dyer, who he, I think he tried to sign at Manchester United, will be very much buoyed by the arrival of Mourinho because he's always had someone who's like a sort of a movable object in front of the back four and someone like Ndombele who is a kind of box-to-box athlete engine man and has a you know he's a good player as well um and so there's always kind of two an athlete and someone defensively minded in front of the back four I'm not sure quite where Winks fits into that sometimes he plays one you know and it's until until a couple of days ago, Harry Winks has been spoken about as that was possibly a you know a midfield pivot as a role he's going to play for for England in the in the Euros in the summer. I can't see him playing there for Jose Mourinho. Not when you look at the profile of some of the players he signs, they're like you know uh, Vidic and uh, Claude Makélélé, people like that. You know he doesn't fit into that bracket at mm. all. So Harry Winks is someone I think the other person, but. Ericsson and Ali too are fascinating how he fits them into the team or one of them into the team because there's always a kind of image of Mourinho's team has been really efficient and kind of ruthless which they are but there have been a lot of those kind of number 10 type players who flourished under him Deco at Porto Mesut Ozil at Real Madrid um, I mean you could even throw Hazard into that that bracket Wesley Schneider into Milan so these, you know, these players were hugely important for him, and although they were a pragmatic side, a creative player, and so I think how he utilizes one of those, either of those two players, or or potentially both, is going to be fascinating to see. Well, he says he's been smiling for days since the appointment at Tottenham. Alison, he's notorious for spending and spending big wherever he's been. Does this suggest that he will be given a pot of money in January? No, I don't think it does. I don't. It would be almost a bigger shock than than the appointment of Mourinho in the first place if Daniel Levy gave him a big pot of money in January. Daniel Levy knows you don't get good value in January. He also knows that um, everyone will be thinking, well, you know, rubbing their hands and thinking, ah, well, with Mourinho at at a new club, we can offload players we think fit Gregor's model and. You know, it's not it, it, Levy. Levy will not want to, spe- to to spend on anything that is not extremely good business beyond the Mourinho years. So I don't think he will. And I, there has to have been has to have been a conversation about the fact that yeah, maybe they'll give him money next summer, but not not in January. Not unless there's an emergency and an injury crisis. No, that is not that is not the Spurs' way at mm. all. It would be 
as I say, more shocking than Jose being there in the first place. So what would be success for Tottenham this season, Gregor? Top four. Has to be, really. Um, I don't think it's out of reach now either. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Tottenham had a bounce now. And like I say, it's a clean slate for players who have been a, a huge kind of root of Tottenham's issues. The, the players out of contract, Danny Rose, who's got 18 months to roll and says he's going to see it out. You know, I, I remember Josie Mourinho, was, that question was put to him, how do you deal with these guys when he was in the Sky Sports studio as a pundit um, in his off time? And he said that these guys, he doesn't want anyone who doesn't want to be there. But, you know, the offers haven't been pouring in for any of these guys. Ericsson was banking on a move to Real Madrid and mm. it's not, you know, it's not coming. I'm sure if he's a free free agent in the summer. But who knows if he can, if he can persuade any of these guys to commit. And also, as I'm saying, his perspective is very different to Pochettino's on these guys. Um, I, I, I think the top four, you know, it's certainly not out of reach. Well, if, you do, if, you, if he turns the disaffected into keen to play, they will make the top four. Yeah, and that's probably all it took was for Levy to think, okay, it's worth it's worth the short term negative publicity Absolutely. and the fans bursting into tears. They'll get over it when mm. they see that good players are playing really well. well. What they are getting, they are getting a serial winner. Of course, he's won a trophy at every club that he's been at. Will this be his biggest managerial challenge? I don't know. I mean, it, it depends what way you look at it. I think Manchester United was really a bigger challenge. It's a bigger club with far greater expect- expectation. Um, and I think Tottenham have a better team. I think they have they have better players, even though Mourinho was allowed to spend, what, 300, 400 million pounds? It was spent pretty badly, and that was an issue that was, you know, preceded his arrival. And I'd argue it's still still the case that Manchester United aren't doing particularly well in the transfer market. Um, so you can't lay out that completely at his door. Um and he knows the situation at Tottenham. He's not going to have a war chest. He's looked at the squad. And as I say, I think if he can get a few of these guys on side, he has the makings of... You know, he's got Harry, He's got the best, the most complete number nine in Europe as his, as his target man. He loves us, a number nine. You know, a guy who follows a lone path up front. And then dynamic wingers. Son, Lucas Moura, Giovanni Lo Celso, um, Eric Lamela. Oh, yeah, but it's easy to forget about him. <laughs> <laughs> but these guys are all dynamic and, you know, they work hard. They've, they're willing to do the, the other side of the game, which he demands from everyone. You know, that's always been one of Mourinho's sort of central tenets. Everyone, even the most creative players, have got to do the, the other side of the game for the team. I think he's got the he's got the basis for that, that kind of team and that's probably part of the reason why he took the job. So there is a new manager at the helm at Tottenham... And of course, it means there is no more Maurizio Pochettino at Spurs. The outcry to him being dismissed has been marked by some of the Tottenham players. Deli Ali, for example. I can't thank this man enough. He's taught me so much and I'm so grateful for everything he's done for me. Good luck and hope to see you again, my friend. And Harry Kane also said this. Gaffer, I'll be forever thankful to you for helping me achieve my dreams. We've had some amazing moments in the last five and a half years that I will never forget. You were my manager, but my friend as well. And I thank you for that relationship. Good luck with your next chapter. Whenever a results go badly it is always the, the manager that falls on the sword but do we feel that the Tottenham players let him down Alison? 
No, I, d- I don't. I don't really. That would imply that they wanted him out, or mm-hmm. they got tired, consciously tired of his methods. I just think the the whole experiment had come to an end. The project had come to an end, and I, I, I don't. I don't blame the players. Actually, I think um, Pochettino created far too an emotional vibe for the Champions League final. That was really poor management. He got so overexcited when they got through against Ajax, started talking about changing his career and being magical. And Don't talk that way. You've got a big match to come. It felt like they'd peaked, and that's exactly how it panned out. And then he suddenly became very panicked and played Harry Kane when he wasn't fit in the final. And I just think... I just think from that point, you know, if money wasn't involved, I'm sure he'd, he'd have, he might have walked away. You know, if football was a hobby, not a lucrative career, he'd have thought, OK, now it's time to go. And it was clear to lots of people, including myself, that right from the start of the new season, whatever the players were doing, he wasn't happy. Even when they beat Crystal Palace 4-0, his demeanour was one of somebody... He, he knew he couldn't get more from them, that it reached an end point... So he should, I think, rather than being in floods of tears on his behalf, I think he's got a good payoff when, in fact, he, he would have probably realised it was time to go anyway. So, I, But I don't, I don't think the players wanted him out. Mm. I, I, I believe those messages you've read out, Natalie. I think he was terribly avuncular and supportive and allowed them to grow and be the best they could be. But now... Because of the various paths taken and there is a split in the camp between the more established players and the younger ones and he's not been able to pull them together. I think, I think actually, I'm not saying it was right to sack him, but it was right that he left. It, it did seem, Gregor, in recent months that his mood had changed. I know Alison's touched on his demeanour, but he was quite sulky at times and I can only imagine that adds to a, a negative atmosphere when your manager is behaving like that. Yeah, um, look, there's lots of reasons we've spoken about for a long time uh, this season in particular. There is an element of a kind of what might have been, you know, the, the sort of overhaul that he wanted, mm. he wanted to do to the squad. It wasn't that far out of reach, I don't think, if if Daniel Levy had, had decided to back him and sort of accept that the season was not going to be. Not going to be as successful as 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 the previous seasons have had, um, but as it is, he's he's seen as someone he believes is a serial winner and and hopes to get them back in the Champions League spot and all the money that comes with that, and made, decided to make the change. I think I agree with Alison. I don't think I think the players it's a subconscious thing and and the dynamic change with some of the as I've already touched upon some of the older players, their future is very uncertain. And they didn't feel quite as invested in the project as they had done in the past, um, but that that dynamic has completely changed now. Well, you know they're playing for the future, playing for potential sort of extension to their connection with the with the club. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a huge a huge change for them. You know, five years is a long long time. I can't. I mean, I don't think I ever played for a manager for that long. I th- the closest I could try and compare to it was when I was at Nottingham Forest. Paul Hart, who had been my youth team manager and academy director, got the first team job. There was a lot of us were given our debuts and given our sort of chance in the first team when he became the first team manager. So we'd quite a lengthy connection with him. I remember 
coming home after a defeat to Coventry and just seeing on Sky Sports News that was how we found out the ticker the wow. yellow ticker <laughs> Paul Hart sacked and that was like wow you know a huge shock but <laughs> don't need to get used to it because <laughs> there will be more of this and you know it's not likely Josie Mourinho is going to be he didn't never, never hangs around long and it's a unique industry it's so ruthless um, that the very next day you know there was footage on, on Tottenham Hotspur's Twitter account of them sort of embracing Mourinho on the training ground and that's the next morning you know or even that morning it was announced <laughs> in the morning yeah. you know so that's it it's oh, gone. painful viewing for Poch that would have absolutely, been absolutely yeah <laughs> um, well Sir Alex Ferguson used to talk about the four year cycle at Manchester United the crucial time when a team needs refreshing you need fresh voices to be heard in the dressing room fresh ideas uh, <laughs> that didn't really seem to happen at Tottenham so could a lack of investment have played a part in the eventual departure of Pochettino because he wasn't backed. Well, he, he he never. I think he. I think he quite. I think I got a kick out of the fact that he he brought through young players and built great talents out of moderate ones. I. It was almost sort of uh, sacrificial the way he said, "Oh, you know, the stadium stadium's coming first. I accept that." My job is to build a team and not to buy a team. I don't... It took him a long time, for example, Lucas Moura, it took him a long time for him to integrate into the team. I don't think Poch was ever somebody who wanted to spend big and immediately integrate that player in. He, He's definitely... And the players he bought subsequent to Moura, they took a while to... And you could still argue they haven't really. We haven't seen the best of them. It's He likes to stick with what he knows and see it grow... So I think it'd be disingenuous if Pochettino was to go around saying they could have done it had he been backed. I think I think he was in constant conversation with Levy up until it breaking down at the start of this season. He was in constant conversation about how they could work together putting the money into the stadium and not spending big on players. And that's him 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 Pochettino accepting he had enough at his disposal to make sure they made the Champions League each time. And it I, almost worked, didn't it? I think it was the exit of players that was more important. Mm. I agree, absolutely right. You know, is someone who's just, he's not, certainly not seen the best of yet. And we probably would have seen less of as the season wore on than, than we will now. Um, but it's been about moving people on who he thinks are disrupting, or not, is, disrupting is even too strong a word, just sort of negative, adversely affecting the dynamic of the changing room and and not giving him what they once did, that was kind of the crucial, the crucial issue and the crux of the kind of matter. Daniel Levy didn't really get that done, and I think that's that's possibly the sort of key, the key element in his downfall, really, I suppose. Well, one of the first things that Jose Mourinho began in his press conference was effectively a tribute to Maurizio Pochettino. This is what he said: "This club will always be his home." He can come when he wants. When he misses the people he works with, the door is always open for him. From my experience, tomorrow is another day and he will find happiness again. Obviously, we have no idea how long Pochettino will be out of work for, but you can't imagine it will be very long. He must be a man in demand, wouldn't you think, Alison? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, the trick is here that he's been sacked and yet I think every club that would like to appoint him will think he's engineered that so he can come to us 
<laughs> it's all working out. Yeah, because, yeah, I do think that. The only, and, the, and he's been, although, you know, he's been so closely associated with his project at Spurs, he's always been quite open about where he might go next. The only job he said he wouldn't take is Barcelona. He has said that his dream job is Real Madrid. He said he'd like to manage the Argentine national team. He'd like to go back to Espanyol one day. But they both sound like end-of-tenure jobs. He's very ambitious. We, I think we forget how ruthlessly ambitious he is. I mean, Southampton were left gobsmacked when he just up and went. He was right in the middle of something there. Said it, said it tore him apart, but he still went. He will, he will turn up at a big club. I, if he was asked to ask my advice, I would suggest he does take a short break. Given that he suggested it himself that he might want a sabbatical or a change, I think it would. I think he should. He's he's, an, he's quite an emotional character. I think he should take a short break. And by short, what you mean? Give it to the end of the season, start again. <laughs> ideally, I don't think that would happen. I think ideally, yeah, he should. He should wait till the summer. I think he should cut a deal with Bayern Munich, learn German, um, have a long, long holiday in Spain and Argentina, and wow, that the world! Delightful, eh? that doesn't it? I wouldn't but, mind that. <laughs> there could be, there could be some turbulence in the kind of in the dugouts of the elite clubs in Europe. Though I think in the next six to nine months. So, as we said, look, the work he's done has been has been ridiculous, really, at Spurs with the wage bill. Any well, hundred million net spend, hundred and fifty million wage bill, which is like a hundred million less than the rest of the top six and more in in the case of Man United. Um, Bayern Munich, yeah. Real Madrid, yeah. But doesn't it doesn't Bayern Munich model suit him better than Real Madrid model, where they spend big and want, you know, marquee signings, and he's not. That's not what he's good at, is it? We don't know if he's good at that. Absolutely, yeah. But I'm sure he'd like to try and find out because you know he's, as you said, he flirted his eyelashes a bit at them. Oh yes, he's flirted. In, in past, but so. If I was Real Madrid, I would I would think twice about whether they fit, other than the love, whether they fit. You might be right, but I think ultimately he's going to be in demand. Um, it's even been interesting to see supporters of their rivals up the road, uh, like just even on social You're media. About or, Arsenal. Yeah, I am. Yeah, mm, okay. <laughs> I honestly think they would. <laughs> they would jump at the chance to have him there now. They well, would. there must be a few managers right now who are sweating over it. That's for sure. Yeah, who are in positions. I'm sure. I'm clubs. sure. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is slightly uneasy as well. Yeah, look, I mean, as I said, his work has been remarkable, so he will be in demand. And the way it's, it's come to a natural conclusion, I think, for, for both parties. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Now, Manchester City have been handed a boost ahead of Saturday's clash with Chelsea with goalkeeper Edison returning to training. Pep Guardiola's champions have so far failed to replicate their imperious form of last term and sit fourth in the Premier League, nine points adrift of the leaders Liverpool. City's title chances were dealt a major blow as they lost 3-1 at Anfield before the international break and Jurgen Klopp's men are undoubtedly the team to beat 12 matches into the season. But looking ahead then to this weekend, Alison, do we expect City to bounce back from that defeat to Liverpool? Not necessarily. I think this is a really, really tough fixture for them. Uh, You're right, the return of Edison is crucial. And I think generally we tend to underestimate his importance to the team. It's uh, We tend to concentrate on how good his distribution is, but his shot stopping is also quite superb. And it was, it was evident at Anfield that, you know, just maybe... Just maybe they might have got a draw or something if 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 he'd been there. He's, he's he's that important to them, so that will give them a boost. The sense that yes, they can't afford to make it look like they're in some sort of rut or have given up on the title race. But the the tough thing is they still have problems at the back, and uh, Bernardo Silva is suspended, and Chelsea I think are in good form, but they're also unpredictable, and I think they're more than capable given the way that Frank Lampard sets them up and his mindset is that he, they, they will go there and attack more than I think probably any other side in the Premier League would go. They will be uh, open, they will be fast, they will be confident. They'll almost treat it like a free hit. There's that element with so many youngsters in the team that he's still got that, Frank Lampard still has that element of there's an excuse there for them if it backfires. Um and I feel that from the from the beginning of the season, when they it all went a bit pear shaped against uh, Man United, they've learned so quickly from that. I think we'll probably see them twice as aggressive, and I think it'll ought to be a quite th- thrilling game, and not the normal game you see when team goes to the Etihad. Having said all that, though, should we beware a wounded city, Gregor? To some extent, but I actually agree with Alison. I think what makes this fixture fascinating is how fearless Chelsea sort of are and the way they, yeah. they approach the approach they're they're taking to to basically every single game. Um you know, Manchester City they won't won't be used to teams you know, even even when Brighton played them recently and the fact that they sort of had they had the intention of of kind of trying to attack Manchester City, I think it can show their weakness, it illuminates their weaknesses and the weakness as we've known for some time is centre defence and with Tammy Abraham playing playing up front there, it's going to be a massive handful for them. And Chelsea pile players forward, and they can play direct when they need to as well. So, you know, there's been a lot of chance. Chelsea have created a lot of chances from that searching pass, mostly from Jorginho for Tammy Abraham, and taking a stretch to play. And Manchester City at times have looked very vulnerable to that. They did it against Wolves as well. You know, there's a couple of, I think Wolves. Both of Wolves' goals came from those those kind of breaks. Um, so yeah, it's it's got the makings of a fascinating fixture. But Guardiola's 
you know, I think when Manchester City lose, they usually respond. So I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if Manchester City still got the win. So you expect them to respond. They are, as we mentioned, nine points off Liverpool as things stand. So Alison, they, they really can't afford to drop any more points. Um, well, who knows how it'll pan out. I, I, the, the thing is, if they were to drop points... I, people, it, I, people are already saying it's over. They mm. will; those people will will start polishing their imitation silverware at that point. I think <laughs> you're not one of them. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't polish my silverware too early. No, I don't. No, actually, I never polish anything. I've got lots of faded silver in my house. Thinking about it, I've got things where I look at them and I think, "What is that made of? Oh, it's silver. I'd know that if I polished it." Oh, yeah. oh life's too short. Mm. Life's too short. But. Um, yeah, I think, but I, it's not so much the mathematics of it. It's not so much the points difference. It's the fact that you could then conclude, oh, they didn't bounce back. What the implications of how if Chelsea won, how we know how they would win. So already people aren't as fearful of them. It would just set it up so that for the the rest of the campaign, there'd be a lot more teams thinking. Oh, we can, you know, Brighton's attitude, as you say, we can have Chelsea's attitude. We can just go for this against City for as long as they do look slightly porous at the back. So I, I think it's not so much that they would not be, not they would be unable to catch up mathematically. I just think it would make it look like it, the, the, the title challenge had somehow ended. Mm. After that defeat at Anfield, of course, we saw Pep Guardiola, his reaction to the referee about some of the decisions that were made. And there's been a lot of question marks now about Pep Guardiola's future. A lot of people suggest maybe won't be at City come next season. What do you make of Pep's demeanour that we're noticing of late? Has it changed? Do you think he's a frustrated manager? Frustrated may be stretching. I think he's he just realises that he's got a bigger task on his hands than he's, than he's had before, really. Um, you know, he's coming up against an opponent that is so formidable and so kind of relentless and shows very little kind of chinks in its armour in Liverpool. Um and he you know also recognises the, the weaknesses in the sort of the areas that um Manchester City are suffering and particularly central defence. Um so I just think that's that's all coming out. That's all that's all visible. It's visible in his reaction to the referee, it's visible in his sort of post match uh utterances, you know, highlighting Liverpool. Um and how their results have gone after after his own games, um, but we know one thing: we know he's he's a he's a fighter, and um, I I don't think this is going to be Liverpool aren't going to run away with it. I think Manchester City will will respond. I mean, this is going to be a difficult game, but they've still, you know, they created a lot of chances against Liverpool, even though they lost the game. They create chance after chance in almost every single game they play, and and Chelsea aren't particularly clever at the back all the time either, so. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Manchester City respond here, and and I wouldn't read too much into into Pep Guardiola's sort of demeanour. I just think he's hurting. Gareth Bell has been criticised in Spain for prioritising playing for Wales and finding time for a quick eighteen holes on the golf course, overturning out for his club Real Madrid. And the forward certainly enjoyed himself after helping his country to the finals of Euro 2020. Bell set up Aaron Ramsey's opener against Hungary and excelled throughout as Wales reached their third major tournament. Now, the 30-year-old hasn't played for Real since the 5th of October and his return to international duty was dubbed by the Spanish media as the miracle in Wales this week. 
Wales fans have turned the mantra of Wales Golf Madrid into a chant with Bale himself admitting he found the song amusing. And after securing qualification, Bale was front and centre as the squad paraded a banner echoing that sentiment. Now, when asked about the banner and his return to fitness just in time to play for Wales, this is what Bale actually had to say on it. He says, maybe it doesn't look great, but it's just a kind of coincidence that the national team comes around this week and I've returned to full training. If I'm fit, no matter where I am, I'm going to try to play, whether it be for Wales or Madrid. For me, it was a no-brainer. If I'm fit to play, then I will give it my all. Now, Gareth Bale. Has he disrespected... Real Madrid and the fans, first of all, being, if you like, paraded with this banner that, as I mentioned already, was Wales, Golf, Madrid in that order. Alison. Uh, yes, he has, but I don't blame him one bit. And <laughs> I think the wider context is worth bringing in. And I do hope that Ryan Giggs sees the irony because we spent most of his career wondering why he put his country rock bottom is priorities and now we've got a player who is as good if not better than Ryan Giggs was in his pomp who seems to be putting Wales before a big club and isn't that quite refreshing when you know when an international break comes along we all think oh we all miss we all miss the league but actually here's somebody who's injecting a bit of controversy passion interest in apart from just the football and qualifying for the Euros into playing for the national team and I think it's almost brave of him to just decide to stand by it and not claim that it's oh, he didn't realize he didn't realize what was on the flag or whatever he's he's gone with it they're a club that have in many parts of the club have treated him quite badly from ownership down to manager down to media down to fans there there's he's had it he's had a lot of stick from all those elements uh, and a, I think a caricature has been built up of him that he's this strange Welsh golf playing weirdo and uh, it's good it's good that he's all and he's not at, he's quite clever because he's not if you've got a lawyer on this he's not done anything wrong all he's saying is I'm fit and I'm going to play nothing wrong with that I, I, so I understand where you're coming from and, and and obviously we've we know that he has been disrespected himself at at Real Madrid, the fans have been getting on his case for a long time and sort of seemingly forgetting his contributions that he's made to winning numerous titles at the club. But Gregor, we can't forget that Real Madrid is the club that has made him rich. Yeah, but... I, so I, does he not owe them anything, any sort of respect? He owes them perform the, be, the best you know performances at the best of his ability when he's fit. And I don't think there's any question mark about that. Ever. He's not it's not been a success. He doesn't want to be there. Like look, let's not be around the bush. He doesn't want to be there. They don't want him there. But until until they come to a resolution, um, you know, he's got he's got to do the best he can. And I don't you know I think it was I think it was hilarious actually. I think they're they're Real Madrid are such a unique club, they're kind of pious beyond belief and you know Marsa and the new Spanish press are like it's like propaganda for for this huge institution, and you know I don't think everyone really buys this either. That you know every single piece that's written about him, they they've, they've managed managed to find a way of like slipping in something about golf and you know call him the golfer and stuff. I think most a lot of people in Spain, a lot of the wider public are thinking, you know they're going a bit far with this now. I know they want him out of the club, but you know. 
he he's not he's not like a fraud. He's not he's not someone who's who's kind of not not trying. I think um, I don't think anyone really believes that. I think possibly this is just all, it's all kind of part of the propaganda machine to try and sort of get wheel, get get bills out bail out the club and. I wonder how you'd feel if you were uh, really, you know, really loved your team, really loved Real Madrid, and you saw how he played for Wales. Because he's he makes a whole nation tick, doesn't he? And his crossing's lovely, and his selflessness is is incredible. I, if I was a you know really in love with Real Madrid, and I watched him playing and then celebrating afterwards, I think I might fall back in love with him. You might fall as back a, in love, as opposed to think, oh, I hate him because of the flag. What would you not expect him to play that way for? No, because if you're being brainwashed that he's not, he's not, he's not giving what he should be giving to Real Madrid. He's not respecting the club. He's not fitting in properly, and yet you suddenly see. I think that's a. It's quite a beautiful picture. Somebody being a superstar, being so joyous with a small nation and allowing them. It's it's very Ronaldo esque, isn't it? The way Portugal just seem to win stuff and qualify for stuff because of him and the fact that he can turn it on for his country in a slightly different way often than he does for his clubs and you've got Bale doing the same I would it might make me think ironically as you were saying the media have gone too far well yeah and he's also said that he he feels like he's kind of playing playing in a park as a kid with some guys he's grown up with almost when he returns to play for Wales, so it's a very different dynamic. But, but again, in but, itself, isn't that he? He said it's more enjoyable to play for Wales. Isn't that no again wonder. a slight though? No wonder uh, when you're getting jeered. But from don't the you crowd. have a responsibility as a as a player, as somebody that represents a club who's then going on to represent their nation, that you still should think about what you say, how you behave, away from that club, despite the fact you're not there. You might not be getting on very well with with the hierarchy and and everyone, and, and you you know you may well have the fans on your back. Do you not still have a responsibility? I mean, I can. You can definitely see that point of view, but again, I just think it's everything. It's it's looking at things a bit too seriously. I think that everyone knows he doesn't want to be at the club. That's no. That's no real secret. And everyone knows that Real Madrid and Zidane in particular doesn't want him to be there either. It's just not happened, and he's not done anything to sort of. He's not done anything to to really disrespect the club. He's not. He's not thrown in the towel as a player, and you know I don't buy for a second that he's he's turned he's he's feigned injury or or sort of delayed his return in order to wait, to be fit for for Wales or anything like that. I don't believe that's that's in Gareth Bale really. Um, I just think that Real Madrid have handled his, his sort of their attempt to, for him to leave very badly, and and it's probably backfired on them. Well, that is it for now. Many thanks to our guest today, Alison Rudd. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. It is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. Enjoy your weekend and we'll be back on Monday.
The Game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.